Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. I think I'm going to join the new Space Force so I can become a Guardian of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I heard that they're called the Guardians. They're called the Guardians. We are one step close to having actual Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm all in for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting take. All right, um, today we're going to be talking about a recent trip we took to Disney World. Yeah. So, and this is a, a rather long episode, and so this is actually going to be our last episode for the year. So we're going to be off for the next two weeks because of the holidays and everything. So this will have to tide you over until then. And if you're missing us the next couple weeks, rabid listeners. Yeah, and if you're missing us the next couple weeks, go and check some of our. Uh, interviews some of our episodes this year we had a lot of great interviews this year uh, we interviewed disney animator tom bancroft we talked to carly wiesel who's a reporter len testa from touring planes and the disney dish podcast among others so go back and check those episodes out if you haven't listened to them if you're new to the show definitely check those out make sure, sure you check out our youtube channel we have fun games on there that we do um we have activities we've done some cooking we do we also actually have a video out where we're going to donate 50 cents for every view to the cast member pantry so just go click on it watch it for a minute we're going to donate 50 cents to the cast member pantry um so that's out there as well but also just enjoy the holidays uh and enjoy the the time off 2020 is <laughs> almost over we made it whoop whoop on the 2021. Yes, on the 2021. So uh, last week, there was a ton of Disney news with the Disney Plus announcements and the Investor Day. So we have a whole second episode up about that uh, for that one. So if you haven't checked that out yet, be sure to check that one out. So there's not much in the way of Disney news this week. Disney did announce some opening dates for some of the uh, hotels down at, at Disney World. So that kind of ties into what we're talking about with our recent uh, trip recap here. So All-Star Movies Resort, that was supposed to open in February. It's now not going to open until March 22nd. Beach Club is going to open May 30th. Wilderness Lodge is June 6th. And the Polynesian is going to open summer of 2021. So I think good news, Disney's starting to open up a few more hotels. But still, not all the All-Stars are open. It's still kind of slow going. And also, uh, since we are going to be talking about our recent trip to Disney, if we happen to, I don't think we mention it, if we do happen to mention the different times for the Rise groups, they had actually just changed. It went from 7 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the morning that they are actually now changing that to 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. So that new time, they just slid it back an hour. So just so you know. Yeah, they did move that up, but you still cannot get a Rise group if you park hop. So park hopping is coming back January 1st, but that doesn't happen until after 2 p.m. And you actually have to have a reservation to Hollywood Studios to get a to get a group on rise. But that's a good point. The second group in the afternoon is now an hour earlier yep. uh, at one. All right. So let's get into our trip recap here. And before we start with this, we kind of debated, I think, a little <laughs> bit beforehand on whether we were going to even mention this just with the state of affairs in the world and the global pandemic and Obviously, now's not maybe the best time to be traveling. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of up to each individual person whether you feel comfortable traveling or not, you know. But I, I think we wanted to at least discuss our experience. And really, this is meant to be kind of just our experiences, good and bad, and not really necessarily an opinion on, hey, you should travel now to Disney World or, hey, you shouldn't travel now to Disney World. Because, again, I think that's kind of a personal opinion. I mean, there might be a lot of people 
in states that you can drive to Disney World, maybe they feel comfortable driving and, and they feel comfortable being at the parks after hearing this. Or, you know, there might be some people that have to fly and, and don't feel comfortable. So again, I think we just wanted to share our experiences of what we saw because I think Disney is doing a lot of things good, but I also think there's a lot of things that are missing that have kind of been talked about a little bit, but not necessarily. I think there were still some things that were different that I wasn't really expecting going into it, both good and bad. So I think this is kind of just a opinion-free, just kind of here's what happened, here's what we saw. Okay, let's get into it. Overall, I think the, the first thing that kind of caught my attention is we stayed at Art of Animation. Uh, it had just opened in early November, so it wasn't open very long. So we went a few weeks ago. And the one thing that, that really, I think, kind of jumped out to me to begin with was the moment we got off the Magical Express. Oh, this was so sweet. There were cast members there, and they were clapping for the people coming off the bus. And I think that's one thing if I can say anything throughout is that the cast members seem genuinely happy to have guests back. And now again, I think at art of animation even more so because they just reopened, but I mean, we've talked repeatedly about the tens of thousands of cast members that have been laid off and the impact it has had with the parks being closed and them having to limit capacity. You know, you worry that the cast members might not be as friendly as they usually are, but they are. I mean, they still really add that magic and, and really how good your trip is comes down to the cast members. And I think all the cast members we, we interacted with did a great job. I mean, we, we ate at Beaches and Cream and I believe her name was Chelsea was our waitress. And she had so much energy. It was out of control. She was by far one of the most bubbly, pleasant human beings I have ever had contact with in my life. Um, So Chelsea, if you're listening or if you know Chelsea that works at Beaches and Cream, I'm sure you know who we're talking about. Let her know that we're talking about her. She's awesome. We went at like eight o'clock at night. So she had to have been working like a whole day. I mean, this is at the end of the night and she was just just bouncing off the walls with excitement she and was joy, all just so happy to be there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she was almost like the personification of joy from inside out. So I, I think that she was, yeah, uh, she was awesome. Definitely. She was. So I think the cast members were definitely a highlight. And then just to kind of touch on first to get this out of the way, some of the health and safety protocols that Disney's doing. And I'm sure we'll touch on this, some of the changes that this impacts throughout as we kind of go through our trip. But just as kind of an overview, they're doing temperature screenings to get into the park. So everybody has to go through a temperature screening. It's very quick. It's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't slow down the lines or anything. Everybody has to wear a mask. And I think for the most part, yeah. everybody had a mask on. I mean, I, I didn't really see people not following that rule. I think there was maybe like one or two instances where we had to hear like a cast member tell somebody to put their mask on, but it was very well controlled. The people who were there seemed very respectful of that rule. Um, we didn't have any negative experiences with that. I, and, and I also think that the, they made it more noticeable than I've ever, I never really realized how much Disney watches you when you're on the rides. They were very clear and apparent. I think we were on two different rides where it wasn't about the mask, but they made 
uh, announcements, like letting people. I think we were on Soren, and they said it was about no, like fast, flash photography no flash photography, and, yeah. and there was some other ride, and I can't remember exactly which one. But you knew that they were watching to make sure people were following the rules. So I that actually was somewhat creepy, but also very comforting as well because you knew that you know they were really like watching carefully. Right. So you have to wear a mask unless you are stationary and eating or drinking. And then plus they have relaxation station areas where you can just kind of sit and take your mask off. So I think that was really helpful. Again, everybody seemed to be following that. Well, cast members had masks on. Most of them had face shields on as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are, you can tell they're definitely really taking this seriously. You know, most of the people that are like working the rides that have more direct interaction with guests, had the face shields on as well particularly the indoor rides i noticed like for some of the outdoor rides they weren't necessarily wearing the face shields but again some of those like were you know jungle cruise where they're actually behind plexiglass yeah so again those outdoor rides not as much yeah and that's a good point too disney has started installing plexiglass dividers on a lot of the rides which has helped increase capacity because they could fit more uh, groups on attractions um, so that has helped as well. There's also a ton of hand sanitizer stations everywhere. So we actually insane. we took a bottle of hand sanitizer with us just so that we had some, not knowing what Disney was going to have. But at the exit of every attraction, there's hand sanitizer. Some of the attractions in the queue, there's hand sanitizer, depending on how long the queue is. At the beginning of the attractions, just randomly throughout the park. I used hand sanitizer after every ride yeah. without a problem. Like there was never an issue of trying to find hand sanitizer. Right. So I think in terms of just general, uh, so that's kind of like their general health and safety. If you go to Disney Springs, it, you have to get go through a temperature screening. If you go eat at any restaurant that's not in a theme park, so like when we went to mm, Beaches and Cream, yes. they, they do a temperature screening as well. So at any point, if you're going in a theme park or some sort of Disney property, you're going to have to go through temperature screenings. The hotels do not need to, but they are recommending you do virtual check-in. So lots through the My Disney Experience app, and we'll talk about that more. Um, but they're recommending that so you don't have to talk to people at the, the front desk. But there's no temperature screenings there, but you still have to wear masks and things. So Yes. And then also, um, one of my, I think it was probably one of my favorite precautions that they had was the tape every six feet. So in lines. So in all of the lines, there were six feet plus um, in between people or in between groups in lines. And even like when they went through the queue, they were very, very creative about which queue lines they used. Some they oftentimes they'd skip the the one in between. If they couldn't do that, like on the jungle cruise, they actually would space the um, the markers out more than six feet so that pretty much nobody would stand in a whole entire row. Um, so yeah, they, so it was basically so you wouldn't be standing next to someone in a row. Right. So like it, to your point, so, some of the rows had dividers in them so that they could put people in both in both rows like on a switchback. But if they couldn't, like one row would be filled in every six feet and then the other row would just be the other switchback would just be like at either end. So right. that we weren't even standing next to someone. Yes. Um, so everything was yeah really spaced and out. I think that that is where a lot of the, the reports that the lines and the uh, crowds are crazy at Disney because when we got in line for Flight of Passage, which is, this is the first time we've actually gone through the regular line in Flight of Passage, we went an insane amount around the park, I feel like. We went inside Pandora, outside Pandora, inside well, we Pandora, started, outside Pandora. I think that line started 
in Pandora, but yet it it went on the bridge all the way to the Festival of the Lion King and then switched back into Pandora. And then it went into the actual queue inside the attraction. Right. So that to, to kind of give you, if, if you're familiar with that land, it starts in the attraction, goes out, goes all the way down to Festival of Lion King and comes back to, I think we started like Tiffin's. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was right. it was a long line. And when we went, it was kind of long because later in the day, it wasn't that long. But but yeah, it's so that kind of gives you an idea of how much they're spacing these queues out. Right. And we didn't wait very long. I think wait. It was like 45 minutes. Yeah, I think we waited about 45 minutes. I think their posted time was like 60 or something. We used touring plans. Uh, shout out to Len Testa, who we did an interview with. We yeah, used go check touring out that interview. Because it was very, very useful because he would tell you the actual wait times versus the times that they have posted. And he was pretty much spot on on every single one of them. Yeah, I will say that if you are going now... I definitely think an app like Touring Plans, and not that, not yeah. that you have to buy Touring Plans or this is a, yeah, a sponsorship yeah. Len didn't for Touring contact Plans. Us about that, yeah. But yeah, definitely listen to that our interview with Len. It was really interesting. Now more so than ever, the wait times that Disney posts are not accurate. Yeah. And for the most part, they are overestimating, which I think makes sense because they're stopping rides for cleanings every. 20 minutes, half an hour. We got caught in a couple cleanings. They do an announcement that says, hey, we're doing a cleaning. It's going to be closed. And it's maybe like 10 minutes. It's not that bad. But so they're building time in for that. I think they're having a hard time estimating how many people are actually in line when the line goes from... Yeah, you know, like flight of passage when it goes all through Pandora. It I mean, can. It was kind of rough at, at some places to actually find the end of the line, so you could try to ride yeah. the ride. I mean, I think if that was a normal line, that would be like a ten-hour wait to get into <laughs> flight of passage. So I think I think they're struggling with that a little bit, and I think they're overestimating because you got to figure if you're going and it says a half an hour and you have to wait forty-five minutes, you're gonna be much more upset than if it says it's a seventy-minute wait and you get out in fifty. Right. So I think they're trying to do that, but I, I will say, yeah, touring plan since they use user submitted data for actual wait times was much more accurate. And it was helpful because to your point, in some instances, I mean, the lines were the, the post wait times were double what the actual wait times were. So that is kind of one tip as well. If you're going, don't necessarily be too frightened by the wait times because you probably aren't going to wait that long. Actually. Now I'm not saying it's always going to be half the time, but you probably, you know, if it's an hour, hour and a half wait, you probably really aren't going to wait that long, but you'll still probably wait 45 minutes to I'm, an hour. So my favorite one was was Peter Pan's flight because the posted time was five minutes, which is unheard of because it was early in the day. Um, we walked all through this crazy queue and walked straight on the ride. Like, so the five minutes was basically us just walking through all of the queue and uh, by the way, I, I think I've talked junk on, you know, Peter Pan's flight before. You're a convert now. Uh, it's because I probably waited 45 minutes, an hour for it. If you walk on that ride, yeah. that's a great a quick ride. ride. We're kind of bouncing all over the board. <laughs> Got to bring it back on track. But I did want to mention one thing because you brought up capacity. Yes. And that also has been another major point of contention on the Internet that it feels way more crowded. There's no way this is 25 or 30 percent. And when we were there, I, it was decently crowded. I mean, it, it did not feel empty. I have to say that. It, it definitely felt crowded. I said to you, it doesn't feel any more crowded than an average day when we're here. 
So just to give you a hint, we were there right after Thanksgiving. So that's generally a high time for them. So you figure the crowds are going to be greater then, but it didn't really feel overly crowded. There were times where it felt a little crowded, but that was because we were at pinch points. Right. Yeah. So so like I said, it, it kind of felt like an average day. Like when you go, it definitely didn't feel like a holiday, which you know can be shoulder to shoulder. So it, it got me thinking... Okay, well, if they're running at 35% capacity now, what does that mean? And what does that mean compared to like an average day? So I looked up the AECOM Global Attraction Attendance Report from 2019 for the parks. And if you look at Magic Kingdom, there were 21 million people that went to the Magic Kingdom in 2019, which works out to an average of a little over 57,000 people a day. Wow. Now, that's not accounting for you know probably the two or three weeks of the year around christmas and spring break and thanksgiving that they probably hit 70 80 percent capacity right it worked out though if you kind of took out those days it was still around like 55 56 000 people so i just said don't even worry about that just average day the rumored max capacity for magic kingdom based on a couple sites that i saw online is around ninety thousand people so if you take 35 percent of 90,000, you get 31,500. So it's about 26,000 less than just who goes on the average day. Yeah. So, so you got to figure, I mean, that's, that's a decent number, 20,000, but it's not a ton. It's not like they're typically getting 70 and you're getting 30,000. But what you also have to factor in is they're not running at a hundred percent capacity. Most of the, now the magic kingdom, I will say they have a lot of omni mover attractions, and they can keep up a pretty high capacity because there's usually only one group per car anyways. But there's not all the meet and greets. So like the Mickey Tinkerbell meet and greet, those usually have hour waits. Those mm-hmm. are sucking up people. There's no parades. That's sucking up a lot of people. So let's say that they're running at 60% capacity. Because some rides like Jungle Cruise, Space Mountain, they are probably closer to 50%. So let's just say you get 60% capacity. So if, they're, if their max capacity is 90,000 when they're running on a good day, 60% capacity is 54,000. So if you look at that, 31,000 people divided by 54,000 is about 58% adjusted capacity, we'll say. So if you look at that, that's pretty crowded. So seeing wait times of half an hour, 45 minutes, even to an hour, really isn't that crazy. Because if you figure you're running around a a 60% adjusted capacity, it makes a lot of sense. Now, if you look at Epcot, it's even closer because Epcot's attendance was 12.5 million people in 2019. And so their average attendance is 34, just a little over 34,000. Epcot's max capacity is 110,000. So the average attendance in 2019 at Epcot was only 31% of their max capacity. So if they're running at 35% today, that's actually higher than the average day at Epcot in 2019. So I think that's why you see, especially at Epcot, people are saying, oh, this feels like it's crowded. This feels like it always is because 35% is basically what Epcot does every day anyways. And so you're really not getting a break. And if you couple that with some decreased ride capacity, that's why you're seeing high wait times and it does feel pretty crowded comparatively because it's basically like what it is on an average day. 
That was a lot of math. I'm not going to lie. For a second there, I was uh, seeing chubies just flying around my head. I was, I was, uh, we, we're going to talk about Chuby in a minute, but that was great math. Yeah, it, it was a lot of math, but I, I thought it was interesting because there, there has been so much talk about the numbers, but when you really look at it, what they do on an average day, yeah. especially Epcot, 35% capacity is higher than what the average daily attendance was at Epcot in 2019. So if you're used to going to Epcot just a random day and you go now and it's fully booked, it's not going to feel any less crowded to you. Yeah. uh, And that is interesting that you bring those two parks up because those were the two parks that when we visited them, particularly Epcot the first day we went and then uh, Magic Kingdom, those were the two parks that I think felt the most crowded. Epcot was actually, I mean, it was was interesting because Epcot, depending on where you were, uh, if you were over by Norway and Mexico, it was thick. Like there were quite a few people over there. But as soon as you got away from there, it felt relatively sparse it wasn't that bad and i think it depends too if you go on weekends you're gonna get a lot more locals so you're gonna get closer to that 35 percent capacity and if you go during the week and maybe don't have as many locals you know maybe they're only hitting 20 percent capacity and then it's gonna feel better but yeah i mean hollywood and animal kingdom are very similar i mean 35 percent capacity for their parks are you know maybe only 10 or fifteen thousand people less than what they get on an average day anyways. Mm-hmm. And again, that's an average day. You got to figure around the holidays, it's it's more crowded anyways. So yeah, ev- even if they're running at 35% capacity, it's not like it's going to feel empty. You know, whereas I think when the park first opened, they might've been running at 25% capacity, but 25% of people weren't going, you know? So I, I think you kind of have to look at like the theme park, like the, the park pass reservations. And, you know, if you're seeing days where a park is filling up, that there's no reservations left, they're probably getting pretty close to capacity. It's going to feel crowded. Mm-hmm. But if you get, you know, if you go a day where annual pass holders and, and hotel guests, you know, the park's not filled up for those days, like during the week, I think it's a little bit lighter it's not going to feel as bad. And I think we saw that a little bit because you're right. I mean, we went to Magic Kingdom Epcot on the weekend. It definitely felt more crowded. Yeah. We went to Epcot. And the West. The weather was really nice yeah. too. We went to Epcot again on on a Monday. That's kind of when we saw, you know, in World Showcase, we were walking around. There's nobody. We literally nobody around stopped us. to take yeah. a picture because there there was nobody in the picture. And we could see for a while. Like we were, it, the, there was a lot of land straight in front of us that nobody was on. Yeah. I will say that. And, and even with that, I mean, the, the buses going to the parks, they have uh, specific sections for everybody to sit in. So nobody's standing. So it's not like they're packing you in like sardines like they used to. If we take the Skyliner, which we did from Art of Animation, you're the only group in your car. So even though it, it is relatively crowded like a normal day, you don't have to necessarily worry about the crowds on the transportation. And even when you go to the park, sure, there may be a large group as people are trying to get through security, but they move you along pretty well. I, you know, if it, if it kind of gets congested, I mean, people, I didn't find it too had, bad. I mean, we were able to move away from people directing pretty easy. you in. I mean, we yeah. went pretty early in the mornings. I don't know if it gets a little more crowded a little later, but I thought that they were incredibly well organized. I mean, that's really the, the story of of Disney and why I overall felt very safe because I felt like they were so organized in how they were handling everything. They had an answer for everything. They had everything worked out where they were like, okay, 
you walk through, you got, you go through your temperature check, you go through the metal detector. All right. Hey, this group, group of friends, please head over to this far one where there's not as many people. I mean, they had somebody there directing you, making sure that you knew where to go, but also making sure that they could spread people out. Uh, it was, it was really well done. Definitely. And, and now getting to kind of some of the things that were missing, some of the negatives, you know, one of the things, and I wasn't thinking about this, wasn't expecting this, but the monorail isn't running between Epcot and the Magic Kingdom because there's no park hopping right now. That monorail isn't running. Now, luckily, we didn't need that for any reason. But if you were staying at one of the Magic Kingdom resorts, that, that's a benefit. You can walk to the Magic Kingdom, take the monorail to Epcot. You can't do that now. So imagine everybody's going to have to take a bus. I'm guessing once park hopping opens back up January 1st, that monorail will start again. I'm not 100% sure. And I think the big change, and this may be a major frustration to people depending on your love-hate relationship with technology, <laughs> but basically everything runs through the My Disney Experience app now. Yeah. You can't walk into a quick service restaurant anymore. I mean, I think you can if you probably didn't have a phone or anything. Um, I mean, somebody out front would help you, but it's not like it used to be where you can just walk into a quick service place. You have to do a mobile order ahead of time, and they aren't even letting you in to the restaurant to sit down and get a table unless your order is ready. So if you're yeah. waiting for your order, you have to wait outside. They make you show your phone that your order is ready before you get in. Now, that has the added benefit of making sure there's tables for everyone, but that is that is a major change. I and mean, that's something that, that took a little getting used to that you kind of had to plan ahead, especially around the quick service. Yeah. I mean, even for things as simple as like, we wanted to try the green milk again. So Joe actually walked up to just go get the green There's milk. nobody in line. And they said, I'm sorry, you can't come in line. You right. have to do mobile order. Right. So just even things like that, you know, you would think, oh, I can just walk up and get this because it's real quick. It It's not. So it was interesting. I think that overall, I, that didn't bother me, but you were the one doing the majority of the ordering and you don't mind doing stuff like that. So it's not a big deal. Right. But but it is different. I mean, you have to, again, I mean, quick service, you used to think, I just, you know, what I want to eat, I'm going to go eat at this quick service place. I'm just going to walk up and get something. And now you can't do that. You have to plan ahead a little bit. And again, they're not even letting you in. That also kind of impacts like getting free water. I mean, that was one thing yes. that like, you know, mm -hmm. we're a big proponent of not buying bottles of water. It's free. You can kind of walk up to any place, but a lot of the places you walk up to are quick service restaurants. And cause a lot of the carts, now the snack carts, you don't need to do mobile order on, um, you know, like if you want like a pretzel or a churro or something, but a lot of those carts don't have the fountain drinks. So they don't have free cups of water. So, it's a lot harder to get free cups of water because you just can't walk up to a quick service place anymore. Yeah. Now, if you're eating, you can, but sometimes you want something in between. So yeah, Joe and I, it was funny because when we were getting out of the car to get on get in the airport, I actually had brought my water bottle with me and Joe's like, what do you need that for? And I'm like, I don't know. I like don't go anywhere without it. And he's like, I mean, okay, you can bring it if you want. And I was like, no, that was stupid. And then I like pretty much rubbed it in his face the whole time because you like a hundred percent, it would have come in handy. But at the same time, we bought a bottle of water or bought like about a bottle of water a day, maybe. And then we would just refill it. There are, that's my, that was kind of nice. There are 
filling stations for water bottles, for water bottles but like uh, I think it was the Magic Kingdom those were basically unheard of we didn't really see any but yeah Epcot had a lot Epcot Hollywood Studios Hollywood Studios definitely I didn't yeah. see any at Animal Kingdom I don't I think, know that we looked. think of yeah I don't know that we looked but yeah enough. so keep that in mind definitely if you have your favorite water bottle and you want to bring that along with you that's cool or if you want to buy a bottle um, always a proponent of you know using less pra- plastic so Bringing your own water bottles pretty cool if you have room. Yeah, so that's something you got to plan ahead for. If you sit at a, a table restaurant, there's no menus anymore. So there's a QR code for you to scan on your phone. So again, you're kind of using your phone, I mean, more than you typically do. So pack your backup charger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but so that so that's something. So if you're not, you know, if you're not real familiar with the app or yeah, scanning QR codes to find things on your phone. And that's something you want to familiarize yourself with ahead of time. I mean, even even eating at the hotel, I mean, breakfast in the morning, you have to do mobile order. They're not letting you in until your food's ready. Now you can eat in there once your food's ready, or you can take it back to your room if you want to. Again, it's just, there's, there's more planning. So you're not planning for fast passes and things, but there is more there's more planning involved. A lot of the restaurants too, that are like table service have like walk-up um, like join a walk-up list, like Nomad Lounge. You can typically kind of just walk into, sit at the bar. You can't really do that now. Yeah. You have to join a walk-up list. Beaches and Cream had that too, I think, for the bar. So th- there's definitely, I-, I think, less flexibility ar- around that st- around that kind of stuff. And, and, and obviously, you know, there's no character meet and greets. There's no parades. They do have the cavalcades, which are nice. The cavalcades were surprisingly nice. If you can find them. I will say that's the one yeah. thing. You have to be in the right spot. So in Magic Kingdom, they are right in like Adventureland. So if you stand there, you can see a couple of them pretty quick. Like in Epcot, they're right around Norway. But if you're in the other side of the park or something, the first day we were in Epcot, them. we I don't think saw one at all. We didn't even realize that they were doing them there. And then the second day we were in Epcot, we we caught a few. So yeah, that's definitely a good point. If you're in Animal Kingdom, the best one um, was the you know along the river, particularly by yeah, uh, those you can see because they go the whole river i think you those are probably the most spread out in the park yeah and we had an amazing experience because we got to see chip and dale wearing their dinosaur costumes it was so exciting we'd never seen it before and that's typically usually done only around halloween but they were real cute they had the one that has like a i don't know what kind of dinosaur it is but it has horns there were lights strung between the horns and then the other one uh had reindeer antlers on on it to just to kind of christmasify it a little bit or holidayify it yeah and then and then just to finish off the cavalcade in hollywood studios just comes down the main road um towards the chinese theater so it, it, it's kind of right there so if you're sitting kind of right in front of the chinese theater that that's where you can see them so if you're in those spots yeah they're great and they come you know every 15 minutes or so they start playing music so you know they're coming um, but if you're not in those spots, it's not like it's the old parade where, you know, it just went through the whole park. So you, you kind of have to be in the right place at the right time. But I mean, the one in Magic Kingdom, it was super impressive. Like almost all the Disney princesses were on the float. I don't actually now that I think about it. I don't think Moana was on the float float. But no, I don't think pretty was. much every other Disney princess was on it. I started to tear up because there's, you know, my adult brain still says it's the, even though, you know, I'm an adult, it's still said the child brain still says, oh, look, it's a real Disney princess. It was really fun and exciting. And I, we got to see that one a couple of times because we waited in line, right? I forget what ride it was for. Yeah, we were in it. We were in Adventureland. I think we saw it once when we were getting I off think, Big Thunder Mountain and we were waiting I for think Country, it was Country Bear, Bear Jamboree. Jamboree. Yeah, it came through again. So, so let's kind of go over highlights of the trip so we did 
one day in each park, and then we doubled up in Epcot. So we did Epcot twice um, just because they're doing the the taste of the holidays, and we yeah, wanted to spend buddy. some more time in Epcot. And by the way, you can walk up to those booths. You don't have to order ahead of yes, time for yeah, those. Yeah, you don't have to for those. I will say there's no park hopping, and I'm not sure. I'm not that sad about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I was kind of upset, but now I'm not sure whether I will I would park hop when that becomes available again because there was something enjoyable about just being present in a park. Yeah. Being in that park the whole time, because we did a lot of attractions that we either have not done in the past or typically don't do because you're going into the park, you're hitting the four or five big rides that you want to ride. And then you're park hopping because you want to go ride the four or five big rides at another park, or you want to go see the fireworks show or something like that. So by not having that and just being able to stay in one park, even though park hours are, are aren't as long, I kind of liked it. I do think ultimately I'd still get park hopping because I think there's probably, you know, still one or two days. Like if you're in Hollywood studios, that's still really not like a full day park. And I think if you did a day there, you may want to jump over once all the, you know, like harmonious opens and stuff, you may want to jump over and see that at Epcot or something. So I still think there, there may be an opportunity to park hop or, you know, maybe one park opens really early, but yeah, I think for the most part, I, I really enjoyed just being in one park. I mean, you know, starting with Epcot, we got to go, through and see all of the movies at the countries which isn't something yeah uh, you know the, the canada far and wide is new so we'd never seen that before uh, we got to see impressions de france and reflections of china the 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 circle vision movies they the, were really, was it the american adventure yeah the american adventure and those were i mean those are all really well done those are things that i had either not seen before or it's been a long time since I've seen them. Watching the Canada one, I felt like this swelling of national pride, even though I'm not Canadian at all. But it made me very much... Uh, we've been to Canada. We've been to Banff National Park. And it's a gorgeous place to be. And it made me be like, I've been there. I love it there. I want to go back there. Um, and of course, like the narrators are Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hare. Famous Canadians. They're yeah. very, I was going to say, I mean, they got... I mean, they're Canadians. They got their start on like the... SNL in Canada and stuff. So yeah, I mean, the, yeah, Catherine O'Hare just was in uh, Beetlejuice oh, and yeah, a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and she was also in Home Alone, right? She's the mom in Home Alone. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just those two narrating together, and they actually were they're in a TV show together. So you know, seeing them narrate together, it was really fun because they play husband and wife in the TV show. Anyway, I'm going on a rant, but I will say, Impressions de France that needs updated. That yes. that out, out of the out of the three movies, um, and even the, the American Adventure was great. Uh, the animatronics, the number of animatronics they have in there is insane. But Impressions de France, it's very much a French film. I mean, there's very <laughs> little words in there. Like you have no idea. It's beautiful. An, an impression it was, it was of a French film. Yeah, it, I don't want to make sweeping statements. It was it was beautiful. It made me want to go to France. The problem was yes. I had no idea where any of those things were. Yes. I was like, I, w I would love to go there. I would love to go there. But they never told me what any of that stuff was. So I felt like I want to go to France now, but I have no idea where in France I want to go. I feel like I heard that they were 
going to redo that eventually. I mean, there's a plan to redo Reflections of China in the new seamless Circle Vision 360. At least that was the talk a few years ago. Who knows what's going to happen now since they've been cutting so much from Epcot. But they need to update Impressions Impressions to France. Yeah, you, you hit it 100%. I mean, it's just... I want to go to France now, but I don't know where I want to go. So it it lacked that. There was some narration, but it almost bit. but it almost seemed like the narration was like like the audio wasn't working. Like at certain points, I'm like, this is so gorgeous. You have to tell me where we are. Yeah, even but- if they just put up like the words of where you are. Like the, I I know they said the French Riviera one time, but there was just so much stuff that I had no idea where it was. I will say the one the one uh, kind of sad thing with Epcot. And this was, I didn't necessarily notice the characters just throughout the parks not being there as much because of the cavalcades. And I feel like character meet and greets are something you do when they're there. Like when you walk past me, you go, oh, hey, Meredith's here. Let's go get our picture taken. But when they're not there and those signs are covered up, you kind of just don't remember that they're there and you just kind of keep walking anyway. So I feel like I didn't miss those character meet and greets that much. But it was very noticeable in Epcot that, all of the international employees weren't there. Yes. So all of the countries, I mean, some of the countries, there are still are a few people from those countries working there, but for the most part, they're just Disney cast members. I, I know like we went into the store in Japan and it was just all Disney cast members when usually that is all people from Japan. Right. And, and they usually have that, the, the pearl opening that was all closed. And so, you know, in Germany, they have, um, last time we went, they had the, the band, they were three German guys who were like playing, playing on pots, pots I think. and pans and stuff. And that's not there. And so that's really where I felt it, that you could really tell something was different because one, you just don't have you don't have the culture of those countries, and then two, it's just it's just regular cast members. Well, it deflates the whole purpose of Epcot because a I world mean, showcase, yeah, a, a world showcase where you know you're you're immersed in a place that looks like it, and then you're also interacting with people who speak the language. So when we go to Japan, you know, we've been to Japan, we could we know a few ways of saying hello and things like that, and then but you you don't get to do that. So yeah, it, it's just there was definitely I, you're right. There's something yeah. missing, or even there. like outside of France. Last time we went, there were. I don't think they're necessarily mimes. They might have had mimes, but then they had those people that would like stack the chairs on top of each other oh, and yeah. like climb up and things. And like, yeah, just none of that stuff's there. And so that that is where you kind of felt it. Now, but again, we we got through. So we we did all of the movies. We did Spaceship Earth. We did Frozen. We did Test Track, Mission Space. We did Living with the Land a few we, times. We the did seas. we did Green Mission. Space. Yes, we did Green Mission Space. <laughs> but we did Figment. So I think we rode everything so and, and again i mean throughout this whole trip i mean we wrote a lot of stuff so despite there being decent crowds and again pretty much most of the waits were a half an hour 45 minutes some were less I mean, frozen we were, was the only one that was like pretty yeah pretty pretty high we ended up getting it i think at 45 but it was pretty high yeah but we still wrote in all of the parks i mean we rode basically everything that we, there was to ride we did except for at hollywood studios because we didn't get a chance to we didn't ride the rock and roller coaster and we didn't ride tower of tower terror. of terror because and that's because we left for a little bit to go to disney springs right there. right that's true but the, the waits were a little longer i will say one tip again if you go most of the parks were opening half an hour 45 minutes before the posted opening time the buses usually start running about an hour beforehand so if you're on that first or second bus 
by the time you get to the park, the park's probably open. And your best bet, honestly, at least what we found is not to go to the popular rides right away. I think maybe the only exception that's Animal Kingdom of going to Pandora. Yeah, we messed up there. And maybe Hollywood Studios. I mean, Hollywood Studios doesn't have a ton of rides anyway. So you either pick Slinky Dog or Mickey and Minnie's. But actually, probably would be better to go to Slinky Dog. But we like, actually might have possibly should have gone straight to Tower of Terror because I think that their capacity on that ride is so low. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think you want to go to, yeah, some of the ones with lower capacity. But like Magic Kingdom, uh, so that was our second day. We started, we did Peter Pan, Jungle Cruise. We did some of those rides that aren't the main attractions. And so we got through probably four rides before technically the park even opened. And then, you know, everybody's going to Seven Dwarfs. So right away, Seven Dwarfs is an hour, hour and a half wait. But if you wait later in the day, it drops down to 45 minutes to an hour. Whereas Peter Pan, Haunted Mansion, you know, they jump up from walk on to a half an hour. So I, I think it is better to try to get there early and to try to not necessarily do the rides everybody's running on. Because again, with capacity kind of set, once those people are done, they're going to disperse to all those other rides. So if you hit those early, you'll kind of get back to it. I know I was jumping ahead a little bit. I know Epcot has a lot of food offerings and everything. And I know, Angela, you want to talk about some of the the good food items that you had. Yeah. So I'm going to start with the not so great. I'm going to butcher this a little. Las Posadas Holiday Kitchen, which is in Mexico. I had the Dulce de Leche churros and it was good. That was basically what I could say about it. Um, it was like it was a little wet on the inside. Um, I, I'm, I am finding that Nomad Lounge, I think, is the best place to get the churros throughout the parks because I think churro in, churro, churros in general are, re- are relatively dry. So you almost kind of need something wet I also on th- and with the churros. I also think the churros, they don't necessarily stay as well. So I think when you're like buying them from a cart, they're pre-cooked early and they're sitting out longer. And so to your point, especially those ones that had like the 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 cream filling in them, that's going to start to kind of make the inside of the churro soggy. Whereas at the Nomad Lounge, you're getting them fresh and right to you. And that actually is my complaint about that churro is there wasn't very much filling on the inside. So I actually like when I bit into them, I expected kind of like a mozzarella stick. If you press them enough, like you get cheese come out um, on this. Like I expected there to be a little bit more of the the filling inside. And it was, like I said, wet. That's about the best I could I can say about it. So that's definitely one I would pass on. Go to the Nomad Lounge and uh, get those churros because they are far and above the rest of the churros in the park. And again, I think they are better because they're fresh. They right. have the dipping sauce and things. And the dipping sauces yeah. are amazing. Yeah. Okay. And then also we went to Le March de Noël Holiday Kitchen in France. And I ordered the Bouche de Noël à Carmel. So sorry for all of you who speak French. I almost said Spanish. Um, for all of you who speak Fran- French. But it's basically it's a Christmas log with chocolate cake and dark chocolate caramel ganache. I was on the fence about this one whenever I ordered it because I was like, eh, you know, it doesn't really look that good. But at the same time, it could be really good. I'm glad I got it. It doesn't really look that impressive. It kind of has like a Swiss army roll kind of look to it. That's kind of not doing any any justice, but it's kind of like this dry, like a sponge cake almost. And has this caramel ganache and the chocolate covering. And I usually find caramel to be overwhelming in dishes. I don't typically really like caramel and things, but it was amazing. And I would actually, I would definitely order that one again. But the best thing you had was from the American oh, Holiday Kitchen. My gosh. 
this was okay first of all for a second i thought that i was in the wizard wizarding world of harry potter because what they pulled off is just nothing short of just wizard like that's what you said they witchcraft. were wizards they're wizards it is witchcraft because it is a holiday pot pie that they make with jackfruit, mushrooms, carrots, peas, onions, and puff pastry. It's vegan, isn't it? It's vegan. And I literally picked up because I'm like... You had to check. I was like, are you sure there's not meat in that? I'm like, this is meat. This is most most certainly meat. Like, absolutely, this is meat. I know what beef tastes like, and it tastes just like delicious, delicious beef. And I even picked it up in my hand and like looked at it in the light. The jackfruit looks like shredded beef and tasted just like it, too. But it's not. It's jackfruit. Jackfruit is an incredible. Hey, we, you went to check. Like we were gonna go, like ask them if there was meat in it, and then we saw on the sign that no, it's actually vegan. Like yeah, it's, it's not made vegan. with eggs or milk or anything. Uh, yeah, you were blown away by it. I was absolutely blown away. The puff pastry was just spot on. It was amazing. The jackfruit, like I said, perfect. If you have like real, okay, if you're a person who's tried actual jackfruit um, from a tree, that's like the fruit. Uh, most likely, not most likely, but I think it's most weird. It people. It tastes like juicy fruit. Yeah, and but it's amazing that, but that, like nasty juicy fruit. But it's amazing that 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 taste. If they cook it, they can make it taste like meat. It can be a phenomenal meat. Yeah, they substitute. like barbecue and stuff. Yeah, it's amazing that I mean, it's yeah. that versatile. Like we can. I, I've had um jackfruit ribs before that my friend got it from the the good butcher and she gave me one it is spot on for ribs so yeah if it's well prepared it tastes just like meat so that but was definitely the winner it was far and above anything I'd, I'd eaten i would go back i'd order it again i would buy like a gajillion of them um and i would put them in my freezer at home perfect so that was definitely the winner as as far as the the food items there at the at the holiday festival they also had the orange bird sippers again oh, yeah, which was good we love those but and they were was, still as good as we remember it is funny though because the first time we went down the line for that was quite long everybody wanted that there was yeah, like nobody there. yeah last year when it was new yeah there was like nobody in that line nobody was getting it. i'm like do you guys just not know about this because it's amazing yeah we only got one though which is kind of disappointing now that i think back on it there were so many other things we wanted to try yeah though. maybe they'll have it again but We'll see. So that was Epcot. I think you know it, it was still good. Again, it was a little crowded, but it wasn't... I don't think it was too bad. I mean, it was, again, a normal day. Still have the holiday food offerings. I imagine they're going to keep the festival stuff up you know, all through next year as well, just to kind of keep people there. But again, we got to ride everything in the park at least once uh, over the course of two days. Magic Kingdom, we already talked a little bit about. Again, we got there early. Walked on Peter Pan... I think we did Jungle Cruise, Big Thunder Mountain, and Haunted Mansion all before nine o'clock. The park opened at nine. We got there maybe and Pirates like, of the Caribbean too, I believe. Yeah, but I think we got I think we got those four done before nine. I think we got there about eight fifteen. Jungle Cruise was a little long. Yeah, and we we got those four done by about nine o'clock. But yeah, I mean we we got through everything. Pirates of the Pirates of the Caribbean. We did Space Mountain, uh, Splash Mountain. Seven Dwarfs Mine Car. I mean, we did again stuff we haven't done in a long time. The Hall of Presidents. Hall of Presidents, which was incredible. We haven't, I haven't been there in a while. That just the screen they have uh, and the way they do that story is amazing. Those animatronics look really good. I was surprised. I thought a lot of them would kind of be old and not maybe that some of that the, great. But some of the characteristics that they have built into the animatronics of the the certain presidents are so entertainingly spot on. Uh, yeah. it is worth definitely worth checking it's funny because they name all the presidents and i'm like that just looks like some random guy but i guess if you say that's <laughs> who he looks like whatever but yeah we got to do all that country bears jamboree all sorts of stuff i will say my one takeaway from the magic kingdom was 
Splash Mountain. We haven't done that one the past couple of trips. I think just because we've been there, it's been cold, so we didn't want to do a water ride. It was very warm um, when we rode it, but that's a very long ride. I did not remember how long that ride is. I do think they'll be able to do great things with that. It'll be amazing. Turning into Princess and the Frog. Yeah, I also much better than the dead bunny that we saw. I was going to say, <laughs> this is my takeaway, and it, it may be controversial to a lot of people because I think a lot of people like that ride. I don't see what people see in it. It's really not that great of a ride. I mean, there's not... I, I, I will, I will do great... you one better. The Country Bears Jamboree. That one I don't see. <laughs> the hell, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, that, that one... That one is... The only thing that I really enjoyed about that ride, or not ride, but that show was the head, the talking heads on the wall. But the one talking head was having like a a, a big uh, issue with the animatronic where its yep. eye just kept because twitching. I was twitching. I do think, you know, they've changed the country bear jamboree over the years. It's definitely showing its age. It's dated. Yeah. I could see why you could find it entertaining because it is kind of tongue in cheek. I think my issue with Splash Mountain is. I didn't know what was going on. Like it's it's hard to tell what the story is because, yeah. To your point, the the one rabbit, the the million dollar rabbit that doesn't work. You spotted it and it it was not working. Yeah, I was really excited because we've watched videos on YouTube about this rabbit like hopping across, but its head was down. Um, but it was just completely non functional yeah, when we were on the ride. But they they definitely you can tell have not kept up the animatronics in that attraction very well. And I think same with Country Bear Jamboree. I I think to your point. There's a reason why Country Bear Jamboree is no longer in Disneyland because, yeah, it's probably not the most popular attraction. I will say, you know, that Country Bear Jamboree, most of those theater shows, I mean, even Hall of Presidents, American Adventure, all stuff at Epcot, there weren't many people in those. I mean, they could hold hundreds and hundreds of people in there, and there was maybe 20 at any point when we went. And so... I do think, you know, Disney eventually probably has to update some of that stuff. Again, it's just kind of priorities and what they have money for. But yeah, I mean, I don't think Country Bears Jamboree is probably as popular as it was. And again, it's not in Disneyland anymore. So I wouldn't be surprised if, especially with Princess and the Frog coming in Splash Mountain, if if all of that area slowly just becomes New Orleans. Oh, that would be nice. Kind of like at Disneyland. Yeah, maybe, maybe one day, you know, Country Bears goes away. Yeah, my other hot take is all of the American-themed rides, um, if you ride them all, they are all very repetitive. They are similar, yeah. once we got... So, you know, we did the Hall of Presidents. I'm like, that was awesome. We did... um, I think it was... The American, the great, the American show. American Adventure. The American Adventure. And I was like, oh, that was pretty informative and good. But by the time we got to the Carousel of Progress, I was like, oh my gosh, not this again. Like, I think I might, I think I fell asleep during that. Um, Not that it was bad. And I think it was a really cool concept for a ride. Carousel of Progress, I will say, is different. It is different. I think Hall of Presidents and American Adventure, they both do have a very similar storyline. Carousel of Progress is isn't really it's about a America. It's a snapshot of a family. Yeah, it's not really about America as much as and a dog that's a million years old. Yes, I think that's <laughs> that's what people that's are the missing. Secret story. I I really enjoyed. I will say. I mean, Country Bears Jamboree. I, I thought was fun. Would I go on it every time? Probably not. I really did enjoy Carousel of Progress. I don't remember ever riding that before, and I think it's because I didn't know it was there. And then, but I've seen a lot of people talking about it lately, and so it's something that's been on my list the past couple of trips we've gone. I've just not had a chance to ride it, so I definitely wanted to get on it this time. I really liked it. I liked how you're in this just whole moving theater, and I, I do think it's a really good story. 
the uh, I actually saw online the the narrator of that's the same guy that narrated a Christmas story, the movie. Hmm. But I I think you you're on to something. You know, everybody loves a carousel progress. What everybody's missing is, and they're bearing the lead, they invented like cloning or some sort of way <laughs> to uh, teleport through a time machine because nobody it, ages. It starts in 1900 and it ends 80 to 90 years later. And to your point, the dog maybe looks like it's aged five years. The grandparents are still alive. The kids haven't aged much. <laughs> the kids are still like, I think the kids do seem to go from like children to teenagers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they may be aged five years. I mean, John and his family in the span of a century age about five years. Maybe it's so, the story of an American fairy family. Like maybe, maybe I, I they, don't know. I, I think they're bearing the lead that the carousel of progress, they have some technology. They are not telling us about yeah, because I, yeah, you're that right. Or it's they're like, elves. I don't think they're elves, but uh, like Legolas, that's Legolas, uh, ancestors right there. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know about that, but yeah, but they're definitely, uh, they're definitely bearing the lead there that they have some sort of advanced, advanced technology that they don't age <laughs> at, a, at a normal rate. So I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but like stuff like that was great. And I think, I think that's what I most enjoyed about this trip. And we talked about, you know, not park hopping, really being able to spend a lot of time in the park. We did some deep dives, but it was seeing those type of things that reminded me what sets Disney apart as a theme park, because you know the past few times yeah. we went, again we've been so focused on we want to ride the A ride, and all that stuff's great. But to a certain extent, I mean Universal has rides similar to that. I mean they have Harry Potter, they have Diagon Alley, and you're going to get similar. Transformers, the Spider-Man yeah, yeah, ride. you're going to get you're going to get similar type rides, but Universal doesn't have those. I mean, I was just, I was amazed how many just massive theaters Disney has. Just the space that they can devote to a three, 400 person theater to just tell the story of Canada, of a presidential Canada. history. Yeah. <laughs> of, you know, the carousel progress. That it, it's that type of just mix of historical and education that you don't get anywhere else. And just the number of animatronics they put into it too, you don't get anywhere else. What I thought was really interesting was just, you know, they have really great A rides and you would think, oh, you know, the B rides maybe aren't so great, but the B rides are great. We rode, we rode um, the adventures of Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh. We'd never ridden that before. And we're like, oh, this is kind of where the Japanese one came from. Now, of course, the Oriental Land Company threw way more money at it, and yeah, it's way doper. Yeah, they said here dollars build a trackless ride vehicle, but, but yeah. I mean, but it was really fun to ride that ride, see kind of, you know, the where the the Japanese ride came from, and it was still a really fun, great ride that we enjoyed. So, yeah, it, their B rides are even really excellent. Yeah, and all those rides, and, and even... I mean, to your point, you know, Country Bear Jamboree. I mean, some of these rides, uh, Carousel Progress. I mean, the animatronics are old. I mean, there's always footage of Carousel Progress of a, a, a animatronic malfunctioning in there because it is such an old ride. I mean, that was, I believe, at, at one of the World's Fairs. That was something Walt worked on. But even that, I mean, they're still great. I mean, you can still, when you just see them all kind of one after another, you it really does remind you and kind of takes you back to that core idea of what, Disney really is and what a theme park is and how well they integrate again kind of that historical knowledge and everything in a theme park that you don't get everywhere else because they have so much room like Universal couldn't just devote all that space to build three or four giant theaters to tell a, a nine minute video about a country 
Yeah. You know, but 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 Disney can do that. So, uh, moving on to Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. Very excited. We got on Rise of the Resistance finally. Tip: If you are trying to get a boarding group, now I kind of saw I uh, got part of this tip from someone on the Geeking on WDW um, Facebook group. So thank you to them. If you haven't listened to that podcast with with Kurt Stone. Uh, definitely check that out. We've been on his show before. Yeah. He was on for our Ranking the Renaissance show. You can go on and find the exact time anywhere. So if you go to clock.zone on a webpage, it will show you the exact time to like a tenth of a second. So the tip was pull that up so you know exactly when seven o'clock happens. So what I did. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the real hot tip. Yeah. So the other hot so tip. So you take that and then. I layered it on with a couple of things. He stole my cell phone. Yeah. So I, I took Angela's phone so I could have the My Disney Experience app open on my phone and the clock open on Angela's phone. That way I wouldn't have to close out of the app and try to move in. You know, I wouldn't have to go, okay, I have three seconds and then switch over. So that way I could hit it exactly at seven. But the other thing I did was I, I tested the speed of the Wi-Fi in the hotel versus, versus my, my cell phone. And you can do this. You can go if you if you Google speed test, you can click and it'll give you a speed test. Which was I'm glad I did it because in our hotel room we had no cell service. Okay, so yeah. I had to go to the lobby and it was like four times as fast than the Wi-Fi. So everything that I make fun of Joe for, um, it all paid off. It always in pays this moment. Off. Like you know, whenever we were doing our kitchen, redoing our kitchen, I made fun of him for measuring it like 87 times, and everything worked out absolutely perfectly. And he like configured a great arrangement, and then. The other thing is, again, you know, he does these internet speed tests at home and he loves to do them. And I like make fun of him for it. And I'm like, oh, Joe, look at you doing this again. And I like roll my eyes. Well, you know what? Kudos to you. Because I rise to the moment. You, d- you did. You, that was all training for this very moment. It was. I rise to the moment. So, yes, yeah, so if, you, if you Google speed test, you can check your speed. But it was because I found out it was so weird. If I sat on one seat in the lobby, I could get cell service which was faster than the Wi-Fi in the hotel because wait, one in one seat in particular. Well, I had sat down in it one day and it worked. So I was, I was like, this is my lucky seat. I'm going back to it. Cause I kind of tested. I didn't it. know that. Part. I tested ahead of time. But yeah, cause it was weird. I mean, in our room, I couldn't get cell service, even walking to the lobby. I, I kind of got cell service, but it wasn't as fast as that one seat in the lobby. So I went to that lobby seat. So what you have to do is you have to be ready seven o'clock um, from anywhere. And, and you kind of want to get the fastest, possible speed you can get because again it, it all goes very quickly but having two phones help because i, I kind of did some practice runs you can hit join before seven and nothing happens uh it just tells you they're not they're not boarding it you can go back so i made sure i was good but as soon as your phone hit seven i hit join i didn't wait for anything to light up i just hit join and then it immediately pops up you want to make sure you have all your friends and family linked to your account. So that way they automatically come up kind of like how you did fast passes. So you're already on there. So I just hit accept and we ended up getting boarding group 17, 17. Yeah. So I mean, it was all over, you know, in a second, you know, I think part of it is how quickly you sign on, but I think part of it's also kind of a little bit of a random lottery. So I think if you're the very first person, you may not necessarily get boarding group one. I mean, you could maybe get four, but 17 is pretty good. I mean, they get through, at least they have been getting through, about 100 boarding groups a day. Sometimes they don't get through all that. Sometimes they only get through like 70 or 80. I, I think I saw the other day, it didn't open for six hours. Oh, wow. And so it, it, you know, they didn't start calling boarding groups until like four. 
And so they're probably not going to get through a lot. I mean, they'll get through 17, you know, even at that time. So, so you definitely want to get on as soon as you, you can. So those are a couple of tips. Use clock.zone to get the exact time and use a speed test to figure out, you know, what, what the fastest way is. If you hit it right at seven, you're going to have a high likelihood of getting a boarding group because they go pretty quick. So, so we're lucky we got that. So we headed over to Hollywood Studios. Again, got in early. Park opened early. We got a Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway right away. Yeah, we did. If you want to talk about Chuby. Yeah, can I talk about Chuby, sure. please? Okay. So prior to getting on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail, I saw somebody walking around the parks with this cute little orange bird. Not orange bird, but an, a cute little orangish bird. And I'm like... I'm going to find that bird because that's a cute little bird. We get on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail and I go... And then, wait, wait, hold on. So we get on <laughs> we get on the ride and we walked right on it when the park opened. There was no oh, line. Yeah. I think everybody went to... We rode it four times throughout the day. Yeah, I, but I think everybody went to like Slinky Dog to begin with because that once we got off Mickey and Minnie's, that was like an hour and a half wait. So we so we waited till later in the day and it was much lower. But, but we get right on. So we walk right on. Immediately the car leaves the station and Angela just goes, there's that bird. There's that bird. And I said, what bird are you talking about? <laughs> and then she's like, the bird I saw. And then we get off and we find out it's Chuby. So tell, so, <laughs> so Chuby is in this ride twice. Yes. So but, ch- but all the merch is Chuby merch. So they are making him the star. Yeah. So um, that's my one complaint about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail. There's not enough Chuby. So this is my this is my complaint card. Disney, you need to add him into the more of the scenes or her. I, I, I think it's a him, but, you know, could be a her um, because Chuby is just a joy, a beam of sunshine, a rainbow, uh, all wrapped into one. It is really funny because Chuby is in the ride twice. But yet when you get off of the ride, the merch cart is basically 70% Chuby stuff. Okay, it's so very little Mickey and Minnie. It's mostly Chuby. It's it's really interesting that they are like, this is what's going to sell merchandise. And it is, it's really cute because when you get on the ride, you know, there's the action going on with Mickey and Minnie. And this is kind of, it's kind of the B story of the ride where you get on, you see Chuby. Chuby's like waving to you really cutely in the first room up at like right above where your car passes underneath. And then by the end of the ride, Chuby, um, while you're waiting, after you go through the final animatronic and you see Mickey and Minnie and Pluto eating, uh, having a picnic together, you, while you're waiting for your car to move up, Chuby is above you doing just very, funny things so the backstory and he does something different like every time yeah there's like a loop of about like three, three or, or four, four different yeah. things that he does like he juggles he you know does a bunch of different things kind of the the background of chuby is that they kind of created him they realized that they had something with him and then decided they wanted his name to be uh chubby because he's a chubby bird and then they accidentally spelled it wrong so they spelled it c-h-u-u-b-y and then they realized uh choo choo haha funny pun so then they kept the na- the spell <laughs> that's <laughs> the exactly what happened yeah yeah so they kept the spelling and now his name is chuby so he is basically he's a song and dance bird <laughs> so rafferty was uh was describing him as he's a ham. That's Kevin Rafferty. Yeah, that, Kevin. He's the, he's the kind of lead imagineer on this. Right. He said he's a ham when he flew out of the nest that what he really wanted to do was head to Broadway. So you can see he's like kind of a performer at the very end. He's very entertaining, doing all kinds of you funny things. You know this things. bird's a cartoon, right? No, he's real. Okay. <laughs> um, so I obviously got... They have... They have a couple things of Chuby merch. Like they have a little like stress ball that's a keychain. But I know that those keychains tend to rip off pretty easily, so I didn't want to get that. So I got the little Chuby that that like when you press his tummy, he, he will hug you. His wings, he flaps, yeah. flaps his wings. So very excited. 
about Chubby. So overall, not to get to spoilers on the ride, because there's probably a lot of people that still have not ridden Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I mean, Chubby's not a spoiler, but it's a great ride. It's, it's really well done. Uh, it's a trackless ride vehicle. Maybe not the best use of the trackless ride vehicle. It, it is really well done. It, it's, it is similar to kind of Pooh's Honey Hunt. I'm not sure maybe which one I consider better. I think the, the issue with Mickey and Minnie's is it's four cars, and you get a pretty significantly different ride experience depending on which car you're in. And so yes. we, we did ride this four times throughout the day. So again, that kind of goes to show you, even though the park's crowded, um, they have plexiglass on Mickey and Minnie, so it's running at pretty close to full capacity. So um, we were able to get on it twice first thing in the morning before the, the line got long. And then by the end of the day, the wait time had dropped down to 15 minutes again. So we were able to get on it uh, two more times at the end of the night pretty quickly. So definitely, you know, early in the morning, late at night, kind of ride that. But you And know, that makes sense because, again, we said Hollywood Studios isn't really a full day park. So if you go early or go late, people have probably trailed off they're going to dinner they're going they're leaving the park right the point i was getting to was one time we rode it the very last car and Mm -hmm. some of the scenes you miss because you come in too late now you do switch uh halfway through the last car becomes the first car so then you get to see you get to be early to the scenes and then like i think the first car becomes the last car so but then like if you're in the middle you kind of get to see more of all of the scenes right and so that was kind of my one issue with it is that as a ride you really shouldn't have something where if you're in the last car you miss out on stuff um because even at one point and again not to get into spoilers what happened you kind of asked me like oh how did that happen and i go oh well well this happens and then when when we wrote it again and we were up front we saw that whole scene and you go, oh, it makes more sense now of what's right. happening. And so so that's kind of one thing. I, I think the second or third car is kind of your ideal one because you're in the middle. And so you're, you're going to see most of the scene. And even when the cars kind of switch order, you still kind of stay in the middle. So I think that may be the best version. But overall, the the animation and just style of it is incredible. The projection mapping, it really does have a pseudo 3d effect to it. It, it, it was really well done. I was, I was, it, it's a fun ride. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Riding it four times in a day was a lot. I don't know if I'd recommend that, but it, it was, it was but a lot of fun. That means more chubby. It, it means more chubby, but it, it was a lot of fun. I, re- I really enjoyed that ride. Yeah, it, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. And again, you can ride it one time just to get the story. You can ride it another time just to sit back and enjoy it. You can ride it one time to, yeah, there's to a take lot, pictures. There's a like, lot to look at. There's a lot to look at, and there's a lot of Easter eggs of dates that are important in the Disney company kind of scattered throughout or Hidden Mickeys or, or just different Easter eggs. So it definitely does lend itself to uh, rewritability. Yes. For sure. Now, moving to Rise of the Resistance, this this is, I mean, as everybody says, if if you haven't written it, it is in a league of its own in terms of scale and just technological marvel. It is a great use of trackless ride vehicles. It's a revolutionary use of trackless ride vehicles. It is is multiple rides in one. I mean, just the the set pieces of it are unlike anything you're going to see. 
I will say we only got to ride this once because you have to use the virtual boarding group. You didn't love it as much because you're not necessarily a huge Star Wars fan. I also didn't know what was coming. You yeah. know, I, I was one of those people that I refused to watch any of the ride like videos beforehand. And I actually think that might have helped because I would have known, okay, this is coming up or this is coming up. It would have helped up. to have watched them. Right. Of yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It would have helped to have watched them because then I would have known what was coming so that that like surprise was worn off. So then I was able to sit back and kind of enjoy what was going on more. Yeah. I, I will say I enjoyed it. But it's definitely something I think I need to ride again to kind of fully cement my position on it because I really enjoyed it. But I do feel like to an extent in some of the scenes you go by so fast, I kind of got lost in the scale of it that I'm like, it's a good ride, but it, it almost felt like it went too fast because there, there is just so much to look at. You travel, I mean, it's two stories. You travel so much space in such a short amount of time that it is unlike any other trackless ride. I mean, you're not going that much distance in Pooh's Honey Hunt or Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that there's just so much to take in that I think you need to ride it again. You know, I, I was thinking about it. Is this my favorite ride of all time? And I don't know that I want to put it there. I mean, I, we rode Flight of Passage at Animal Kingdom again, and that's a really great ride. I mean, now that's not to the scale and technological advancement that rise of the resistance is to but that's a great ride and i think part of why like flight of passage as well walking through that queue the flight of passage queue is so much more detailed and immersive yeah, I mean, rise of the resistance there's not much to do in that queue or to look at and i think that is one piece that's lacking in rise as well i don't want to say that you know rise in, in no way is a bad ride and i definitely want to ride it again and i would have loved the opportunity to ride again that day. And you know, I look forward to when I can ride it again. But yeah, I don't know that it immediately jumped out and was like, hey, this is my favorite ride of all time. And maybe it's just because I rode it that one time. There's, you, you just need to ride it, I think, a few times just to get over, yeah, that shock and awe of, of the scale of some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think that it just... It was uh, my issue is I am naturally contrarian. So when somebody something is really hyped up, my expectations shoot sky high. So I'm not saying I was disappointed in it, but I was expecting a little bit more thrill, I think is more. It's not really a, it's not a thrill ride. I mean, it's a trackless ride vehicle. And there's a couple parts that like kind of, you know, have the ability to surprise it's just to kind of compare it to something frozen. I had no expectations going in. And then even after you kind of hyped it up, but that ride takes you by surprise just by, you know, it kind of also seeming to blast you backward. There's that illusion in it, in the ride that makes it a little different. Um, and of course this one has that too, but yeah. And I will say again, I think for you who is not a big, a star Wars fan, I think that hinges on to how much right. you like this ride because like frozen, that's all about the music of frozen. If you love the songs in frozen, you're going to love that ride because yes. it's just like, Hey, this is everything I love. If you do not love Star Wars and if you don't love the new trilogy of Kylo Ren and, and those characters, it's going to be a great ride for you and you, you you can still appreciate what they did. But yeah, you're going to be like, I'm not sure I really can get the story or the characters as much. And I do think you're going to see it as a little bit less than somebody who is like a huge Star Wars fan. Now, I am a Star Wars fan. I am not to the level of a lot of people that know in the background who all these droids are and everything. So I can definitely enjoy it on that level as well. But I will say it had a lot of hype. 
it definitely delivered just in terms of this is the greatest thing Imagineers have ever built, whether it is the best all around quote unquote attraction that they've ever done is maybe for debate, but this is the greatest scale and the greatest thing that they've ever tackled and have delivered on. One final thing about the ride that I want to say is that the the workers on that ride are very impressive. Um, they're very fun. We ended up, so not the person that we had was not good. She was really good, really convincing. She had like a very cold, like a a lot of coldness to her but the group right next to us i was kind of paying attention to um their guy that was giving them directions he was like low-key making fun of them the whole time cracking jokes but like in a very serious way and it was uncomfortable and i was really into that whole thing like he was a great actor and they were the first door i mean they're acting yeah. as first order people i will say just one final point because you made me think of this I do think you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> I, I do think one of the, the things, and, and this is probably hurt by the current, um, you know, capacity issues is I think they are moving you through some of that stuff a little bit quicker yes. because they don't want you kind of congregating in large groups. So part of the fun of this ride, and I don't think this is a spoiler is whenever you first enter the star destroyer, the hangar, yeah, I mean that thing is insane to see that with all the stormtroopers in there. I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen pictures of that at this point, but it it is something completely different to see in person. When the ride first opened, I think the cast members were letting you linger in there a little bit longer, take pictures, and then you kind of had some time before you moved into the interrogation rooms. Now, because they're trying to get boarding groups through, and they don't, and they, you know, they're only letting 15, 10, 15 people at a time. They're kind of trying to get you quicker through there. And so you don't have as much time to take it in and interact with the cast members, like you're saying. You, well, they, they move you through a little bit well, quicker. Well, not only that, but I, I am naturally adverse to getting yelled at. Um, so I was very afraid of them. And so, like, yeah, you're like, again, me on, like I on, have that childlike on. mindset that I can trick myself in when I'm at Disney into believing, like, the princesses are the princesses or those people with the first order. So when I wanted to stand and gawk at them and take pictures and things, I was afraid they were going to come at me and be like, you need to get moving. And I would be like, oh, okay, sure, sure. Yeah. And like, I was worried about that, too, because I, I, was, I was aware that, because, again, the whole trip, you're standing on this piece of tape until the person in the next piece of tape moves. You know I mean, you're always trying to stay six feet away from people. So I was aware of that as well. And so I do think that kind of added to, I think, my mindset of it. the whole thing just seemed to go by so fast because I think some of that like pre-show stuff, you may have had a little bit more time if you weren't as worried about getting in large groups together. Right. But again, I want to ride it again, and I'm sure if I ride it one more time, I'll be like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Yeah, um, I'm sure. Too. But it 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 is an incredible ride, and so glad we got to ride that in Mickey and Minnie's. And then wrapping up with Animal Kingdom, I don't think there was anything really of note at Animal Kingdom. Rode the attractions there. We didn't get on Navi River Journey. That was the day we were leaving, so we had to leave a little bit early from the park that day. Otherwise, we they we changed would have our flight. Yeah. Other otherwise, we would have ridden that. But again, I mean, yeah, flight of passage. We made forty five minutes, which is like nothing, uh, you know, in general. When that's usually like a two to three hour wait. And again, my my knock on that ride, and we've talked about this before, is depending on where you're sitting. Sometimes the the like three D effect isn't quite right. Where we were sitting, there were many yeah, places. Yeah, yeah, and I think with the mask on too, the goggles or the glasses didn't fit me that well, so they kind of kept sliding down. So I was a little blurry for a lot, and it kind of did make me a little ill. 
maybe because I couldn't see clearly. All right. So I think that, that kind of pretty much wraps up um, kind of our trip overall. But wait, Joe, we forgot about our celebrity sighting. What are you, what are you talking about? We saw little Joe, the manatee. Oh, the, man- <laughs> the manatee from the magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Exactly. I, thought you were, I was like, we didn't see any actual celebrities. Not only did we see little Joe, we got to talk to one of his keepers. And that was one of the highlights of my trip because she was feeding him some of the thousand pounds of lettuce that they eat a day. Pounds, oh, 100 pounds. pounds. Oh, well, thousands sound so much more impressive. All right. right. 100 like, pounds of lettuce. Yeah, a thousand yeah, pounds would be a that, lot. That They'd was have to eat like a ju- dump truck of lettuce and just pour it into the water. <laughs> it would be. But that was neat. We got at the seas at Epcot. We went to see the manatees. We got to see the manatee. And, and the trainer was there. And you're like, is this the manatee that was on the Animal Kingdom show? She's like, yes, it was. And she was talking to us well, about Well, there both them. of them were there. Yeah. The, I can't remember what the other one's name was right off the top of my head, but the one that had like the boat accident where its tail was messed up and then little joe has was the one that had the um the, the abscess the abscesses yeah. that they had to like pop but i will say i mean learned a lot about manatees that's not fat that is just like they have intestine a huge, yeah they have a huge gi tract to digest all of that lettuce that they eat it, so if that's not just like huge fat on them they are very slow animals they do not swim fast oh it makes sense that they're that's not fat because all they eat is lettuce <laughs> yeah and the other thing that was really interesting is they can adjust to either being in salt water mm-hmm. or fresh water which i thought was pretty amazing so you're right we did see a minor celebrity we were ah. looking for dr dan we didn't see dr dan but we saw little joe but dr dan if you're listening we'd love to have you on the show yeah absolutely so but yeah so i think overall it was i think it was a good trip again it was definitely different due, due to our situation you know we felt comfortable going again everybody's situation is different and we kind of just wanted to lay out what happened i do think if you do decide to go, I mean, definitely do it in the safest way possible that you feel comfortable. But there still is a lot to do there. Um, there definitely are a lot of things missing. So, you know, hopefully us kind of describing our experience can help you kind of determine whether it is worth going or not. And, and also, I think why I wanted to ultimately talk about this is because, you know, 2021 isn't necessarily going to be back to normal 100%. I mean, you know, it it looks like we're going to have a vaccine here and hopefully it looks like we're at the light of the end of the tunnel on this pandemic here. But I don't think that means all of a sudden Disney's just going to open the doors and say, everybody come back in, no masks, full park hopping anytime you want. Characters are back, fireworks are back. I think it's going to be a very slow build up to all of this stuff. So I think a lot of the things that we saw are still going to be in effect and obviously everything's going to be changing. So, you know, I think even while people may not want to be traveling now, obviously just with the way things are that, you know, next spring or summer, if you're looking to plan a trip or even if you're looking to plan something for the 50th, these are all kind of considerations to keep in mind. I mean, if, if you heard what we, what we did and you go, Hey, that sounded like that would be a fun trip for me. I don't mind all the, the limitations or the things not there. And you're looking to plan for a trip next year, maybe go ahead and plan it, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's something to kind of think about. If you're thinking, hey, that doesn't really sound like the magic's all that there for me. I like the fireworks, I like the characters, then then maybe wait, you know, in six months, that stuff might all be back. So I think just, again, kind of wanted to put it out there of, hey, this is kind of an honest description of how it was. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we had fun, but, you know, some people... Um, you may not have. I mean, it, it, it may something may have been missing for them, or uh, you know, I think we felt comfortable 
while we were in Disney. Um, I think in the parks, they do a great job. Luckily, the airports weren't too crowded. Yeah. Um, but you saw know, lots of dogs. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but I, I think that, that was kind of one thing I was worried about was flying. Luckily, it wasn't it wasn't too crowded. If we had to go off property a lot or, you know, use like public transportation, I may not have felt as comfortable. So, you know, I, I think those are all things to definitely take into consideration. And one final thing that, um, you know, I kind of want to bring up is we actually, so I had to, I had to get a COVID test before coming back. So they actually have one right outside a rapid test center that's designed for the uh, cast members, but anybody can go to it. And so we went there on uh, one of the last days we were there. And I mean, that was a really convenient thing. So if you, if that is like, you have to get that before you go back to work, you can always utilize this yeah. testing that, center. That's a good point. Your work required it because you traveled, you had to have a, right. a test, a, a negative test before you came back. So it wasn't like, you, you know, you had any issues or anything. It was no. just something your work required, but that is a good point. They have, um, at their, at the Disney main gate complex, they have a uh, free rapid testing there. So if you are there and you are feeling ill, and you want to test or yeah, if you're traveling and your work requires it or, you know, something and you, you want to get tested, that definitely is an option. Yeah. You get your results back in like 15 or 20 minutes, right. something like that. So that, that is, you know, pretty easy to get to. Um, obviously you need to take like an Uber yeah, or something to Uber. get there, but, but yeah, it's just, it's like right near the, the animal kingdom and kind of the, uh, all-star resorts. Yeah. So hopefully this was helpful to people. Bit of a long one. Today. Yeah. It, it was a long <laughs> one. A lot happened again. When you just spend a whole day at a park, you can get through a lot. Again, I think it really made us appreciate yeah. it even more. So I, I think that sometimes when things happen, they make you kind of get some perspective. And even we had that experience when we were in Disney. Definitely. So, so thanks everybody for sticking around uh, for this long episode. Ho again, hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you didn't stick around, shame on you. I'm going <laughs> to yell at you and you won't even know you won't about even know. it. If any of our listeners have gone recently or are planning a trip and they go in the future, especially after January 1st, when park hopping comes into play, I mean, definitely feel free to reach out and let us know what your experience is. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you had, a terrible experience where we had a good one in a certain way, or, you know, maybe park hopping comes in and completely changes everything and it makes it crazy at all the parks or something. And we would definitely love to hear that feedback. Um, and you know, we could share it on, on a future episode if you don't mind. So um, you can definitely reach out to us on Facebook or enchanted ears uh, over on Facebook. That's probably the best way to reach out to us. So I want to thank everybody again for listening, you know, week after week, we really appreciate it. Make sure you leave us a rating or a review. Uh, if you haven't, that really helps us really helps us reach a larger audience. Thank you for letting us your ears. I uh, have a great couple weeks. Everyone have a great holiday. We'll see you here in 2021. Bye-bye.